Hello, everyone. Today you have Jake and Seth discussing Taika Waititi's 2019 satire about everyone's favorite funny subject, World War II, and Nazi Germany. Just kidding. Uh, and starring Scarlett Johansson. Pretty great cast. Scarlett Johansson, yeah. uh, Rebel Wilson, Taika Waititi himself, Thomason McKenzie, Sam Rockwell, Alfie Allen. It's like a pretty, pretty legit cast. Roman Griffin Davis is the young boy, the main star, but he's a young, he's a newcomer, and big success. It was cost fourteen. It made ninety, got a lot of uh, awards. I think it won. It won best, at least, uh, best adapted screenplay Oscar. There you go. Um, very successful and really kind of elevated Taika Waititi, in my opinion. I guess we'll talk about that to this to this new level, and it was also kind of cemented a big year for ScarJo. Scar Jojo yeah, Rabbit. Yeah. She uh, she got a supporting actress nomination with, for this to go along with the nomination for um, Marriage Story. Um, and she I starred thought... in Endgame, one of the leads in Endgame, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> and she starred in the biggest movie of all time. So that's Thank a pretty good year you. For it's like, oh, yeah, um, Michael Jordan, really decent Baseball player, uh, he's an owner, um, something else I can't remember, but no, no big deal, no big deal. Um, Jojo Rabbit, I found to be uh, quite an interesting movie, quite an interesting subject. Uh, trying to do a comedy about Nazis on the surface seems tough, but in a Mel Brooksian uh, sort of fashion, uh, Taika Waititi finds plenty of humor, I think. Um, I found the child actor to be very good, uh, the lead child, Roman Griffith Davis, yes. who plays JoJo. He was really good. Hard to get a child actor to do that well. I thought, you know, the other child actor, and this is the the, the female uh, Jewish character hiding in the closet, uh, I think it's Tom Thomason McKenzie, I think, is what I'm reading in the credits. Yes, but also his friend, who is Archie right, Yates, Yorkie. Uh, yes. One of my favorite scenes actually is sort of the first time he encounters her and it's like, so the film opens with him sort of being brainwashed in a Hitler youth camp. Um, and he sort of like takes in all this stuff, all this nonsense that, that all the Nazis would brainwash their youth with. And then he comes home and he sort of goes into this secret closet that he finds. And, um, it's like, he's sort of discovering a, a Jew hiding for the first time. And all he knows is that, he thinks they have horns. He thinks they like eat strange things. He thinks they smell strange. You know, he has all these weird facts about the Jews. And so I found that scene to be kind of the height of like the satire and the humor in a lot of ways. Um, to me, that was the entry point into the storytelling and yeah. what I thought was clever about it. And I will admit, there were some times where I was laughing where someone who was not Jewish, even though my wife is Jewish, um, obviously that doesn't make me Jewish, but there were times where I just kind of, I wish I had seen, I saw the movie alone in theaters. I wish I was with someone who was Jewish. So I kind of look at them and be like, is it okay? Um, and the, but the beauty of it that I thought was the way that they espoused the beliefs of the Nazis and just showed how brazen the lies were. What I thought was so effective of telling the story of a the viewpoint of a child is that the whole thing between now Trump of literally versus figuratively the idea that only a child 
could possibly believe the vile, dumb bullshit they were believing. Right. And then you realize that they weren't and that this was real and this was the actual stuff they were telling their people and they believed it. And then you, and then that is where the real horror comes in, where you realize where you're laughing at it. And then you realize that this is actually, those were real lies. Those were real propaganda. And yes, they're playing it for laughs, but I think that's, that's the hardest thing about satire. I think satire is one of the f- highest forms of art when it comes to movies yeah. or books, because you're really, you're laughing. You're laughing you're, at something that's like horrifying. Yeah. And like to use the Greek thing, it's like the tragedy and the comedy. You're evoking the same thing. You're evoking both those emotions from the same thing at the same time. And, and I think yeah. that's the hardest thing to do. And I think he does it here. And that's easy for me to say hey, as and that, well, and I also think after that Hitler Youth Camp, one of the techniques he uses is sort of the kid imagines having all these one-on-one conversations with Hitler, played by Taika, Taiki Watiti himself. Um, and those conversations are, I want to say, some of my favorite parts in the movie. Um, they're pretty funny stuff, just like him uh, sort of giving these deadpan responses as Hitler and their their outrageous responses. And it's it's the same thing. It's like it's satire and he's sort of walking this tightrope of like, it's insane what he's saying, but it's also sort of very believable that Hitler would advise a kid some of the things he tells him to do. And what was funny was there are parts that are really soft and the idea of like where he's telling him that the rabbit is strong. And what was interesting about that was it, or not strong, but that the rabbit, there was a room for the rabbit in his empire. And it was the idea that you didn't always need to be the strongest or the fastest. And as anyone who has any ideology, that's not what the Nazis believe. It's not what they actually believe, but the idea there being that it's like, and I thought it was, again, an interesting parallel for the overall looking at Taika Waititi representing Nazism or the fake Hitler and that the boy representing Germany that it was what they were after world war one, they were really hurting and they, they were looking for some guidance and leadership. And that took the form of someone who told them everything they wanted to hear in one sense to make them feel strong. And then everything else that they didn't, that was, they didn't need to hear, but wanted to hear too, blaming it on the Jews and the French and everyone else. And it was, and I thought that was, it was so interesting was how, Taika Waititi could flow from in the same conversation from that warm, caring, paternal thing. And even when he's doing that, he's saying bizarre, violent things that you like. And then he could switches to the crazy psychotic. And and you see Jojo throughout the movie. He begins to question some of these beliefs through his interaction with the Thomas and Mackenzie character and his mom. And you realize that his mom is the exact his his best friend goes against everything his mom is for and i just kind of read that as that's the boy rebelling it's part of the rebellion against his mom and then once he loses her spoiler alert by the way uh right like uh, i guess that we'll pivot into her character shortly but i i thought there were so many clever things the way they framed it the use of the boy is like an entry point in the blank slate and you he's easily immediately likable and cute but through him, there's there are vocalizing a lot of the most like, worst beliefs of Nazism, and it's just that thing. It's like you, you're smiling because he's saying it in a cute voice, and he's got this like precocious thing. But then when you think about what they're saying, it's like it's terrifying because these were things they're actually being taught, and 
I, now I'm repeating myself. So I'm yeah, and one, it's I think it, like one of the things the movie really does speak to is just like when you feed uh, people that young information, like they'll soak it up and they'll really believe it. And it's like I think it did sort of like portray in a realistic way how sort of like young people in Germany would sort of like soak up this bullshit and then like turn into sort of Nazi supporters and then eventually become soldiers when they're old enough and stuff. And it's like, I thought all, you know, it is funny when you're watching it and you're watching sort of his thoughts and interactions with this imaginary Hitler, but then it is, it's also just like, it's, it's not that far off from what was going on with a lot of the youths and the adolescents in Germany and what they're, you know, it's like, this is before the internet. And so it's like, these kids are only reading what the Germans give them and stuff like that. And so all the propaganda, I, you know, I thought all that played the right way. Um, well, I, one, one of the things just to note on that is there's some realism there. They were kids defending Berlin when the Russians came. That was where they were. I don't know if they were necessarily that young, but there were young boys, 10, 12, 13, 14, as part of the defense of Berlin and Germany. And that's where they were pushed into at this certain point where those were actual men at this point fighting the cream of the Russian army. Right. Or on the Western Front fighting the cream of the British and American forces. It it was, it was I just thought it was an interesting time to place it at the end of the war too, to kind of yeah. show it at its very, uh, and it showed it at its nadir and to show just that, like what, what really probably it felt like those last few weeks where the Nazis were still probably screaming about victory up until, up until they were executed. Like I'm sure it was very much that thing, when, whatever, like with your head in the sand, it's like the world was changing around them and yeah. they were still no, trying to cling to these the- crazy beliefs. One of the notes I saw was uh, that, like, Germany at the time was the lead of the textile industry, and all the people on the streets and everything are dressed very colorfully, and the movie is a very colorful movie, and it's very different than from other World War II movies, and I just thought that was interesting, where it's like, it's sort of like, on the surface, everything is popping and colorful, and it feels like everything's sort of nice, but it's just like, underneath, like, the Third Reich is, like, falling around them, and it's like, everyone does sort of have their head in the sand. I didn't even think about the colorfulness, but you're, now that you say that, that really sticks out to me. It, it was it, I also, it was yeah, a sorry. pretty looking like this. It was yeah. a beautiful movie in that it looked really pretty, and now it, the color so has something to do with that. But the setting, just the costumes were great, and I, that sounds awful. I'm not talking about the Nazi. I'm talking about like Scarlett Johansson and the other like the settings. To your point, it was very colorful, and yeah. traditionally in World War II, it's all like anyone who's seen an Indiana Jones movie, it's all the Nazi gray. Or it's all and, the U.S. green, the army fatigues. Like this was a very colorful, colorful yeah. movie. I and I know um, ScarJo got the supporting actress nom, and I thought she was good. And uh, she, she, there's one scene I, I didn't quite believe with her, but um, wait, wait, I actually found myself sorry. What was that? Actually, you go on, and I'll come back to Alice. Well, I was going to say, I actually found myself thinking that Sam Rockwell did a better job than, than her. And what, what, I think Sam Rockwell was my favorite person in the movie. So, I think I agree with you. And this is, I'm glad Scarlett Johansson, I think she could have won for her role. Well, excuse me, I don't agree with you. I think Scarlett Johansson actually could have won for this role. I thought she was asked to do a lot. I also just I really thought she had a better her. marriage story. Personally, I also think she probably could have won for that, but Sam Rockwell to me was incredible, and 
I thought he brought such an interesting, like, I called it like a sad honor. It was this, I, like, he was, he gave everything to this country, to this machine, but he was injured in his service and was thus discarded for it. And he seemed to kind of be, and he was going through the motions, but my takeaway was that he's also at, per, portrayed as homosexual with Alfie Allen. He couldn't be homosexual. Yeah. They were sending those people to concentration camps and killing them in Nazi Germany. So it was an interesting, I think, role. And I think he did a lot in a short amount of time. If this was rewatchables, I would vote for him to be the Joey Pants or the Dion Waiters Award. Uh, not Joey Pants, the Dion Waiters Award. Um, because he does a lot in a little amount of time, and there's not very often you feel bad or sad when a Nazi dies in a movie. And I felt a little sad when he died in the movie because I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> for, what, for whatever, better or worse, his last act was to save JoJo, and I thought that to me that was a redemptive moment for him. And also, he was very polite and kind to Scarlett Johansson's character throughout the movie which was a rare thing among the uh, the adults, or it was portrayed to, to be a rare thing among the adults. So he had a certain right. grace and gentility that I, that I think was lacking. <laughs> I don't think. We know was lacking. And I think that's his what character is kind of a satire on sort of like, in a lot of these, uh, in a lot of real Holocaust or World War II movies, there's like always the super evil, you know, if you think about um, the Tarantino movie, um, uh, and Glorious Bastards, yeah. like the, the Christoph Waltz character, is basically that character as the villain. But it, like, I did think it was a funny take because it's like that guy. It's always so evil. There's no way to root for him. And then, like what you just described, by the end of the movie, I was like, why? Why am I rooting for Sam Rockwell? This like this totally evil Nazi guy. But it's like he does kind of save JoJo, and it's like this one last nice move by this like completely deplorable human being. <laughs> I'd say Steve Merchant's more of that role because he's the real hunter and he's the one who comes looking for Thomason. But I hear what you're saying. It's uh, yeah, they're 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 all they're all like it's supposed to be so much despicable. But I thought Sam Rockwell did a great job and Alfie Allen. I'm not gonna lie, they didn't give him much to do, but I wish we'd gotten a little more. Knowing how good he is from Game of Thrones, I just thought we could have seen more from him. But that's not really a knock. Um, should we talk about? We kind of gone through a, a bunch of the roles. We we both like the kid. Should we talk about? Yeah. I think Taika Waititi as, as Hitler deserves his own little mention. I I thought he was brilliant. I that. thought he was really good too. And yeah, the the I, it's like I think those are some of the funniest scenes. Um, they, it reminds me of sort of when Mel Brooks would insert himself into a movie. Um, whether it's like uh, you know the producers or. Um, Blazing Saddles or something, and you're like, you feel like the movie goes to another level. I liked, I liked that, and the fact that like, you know, he seems to have his own personal gripes with Hitler, and I think that was his personal way of like kind of going back at him. Um, I thought that worked well. I thought that worked better. The scene I, I didn't totally love was when um, ScarJo, the kid, and ScarJo are sort of sort of in this fight. And Scarjo, it's like the kid wants to see his father, and it's like either the father's at war or he's dead. Most likely, he's dead. No, know, like, he was supposed to be a defector. He defected. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. Um, but it's like the, he really wants to see his dad, and Scarjo's sort of like arguing with him, and sort of like loses it, and rubs all this uh, ash over her face, and pretends to be the dad. And that was the one scene where I was like, I don't know if this would work, or like what would happen here. And I didn't quite buy it the way I rest the, the way I bought the rest of the movie. 
movie, I guess. So what's funny is I actually really liked that scene, and I thought it was a really like powerful scene. I really liked that, so that really hit it for me. Uh, so clearly, just two different two different takes. <laughs> two different takes. At the same time, I do see where you're coming from, and th- this is a phrase we've used. She's acting big. It's she's yeah. she's chewing up the scenery. She's going big. But for me, I really liked it because I just kind of thought my take from it was that she's got to be really miserable. Her husband's gone. She's protecting her son. The Russians are bearing down on them. And I feel like it's one of those things where you're either going to laugh or cry. And instead of just breaking down, she just goes like, that was my take. It's a very generous take. I for, felt like for I, it. I, I ended up feeling like the kid was sort of outacted there. I felt like I felt worse for the kid. I wanted him to see his father. I did. Yeah. I mean, I just ended up sort of not, I don't know. Yeah. It didn't play as well for me, I guess. But like you said, do different takes. Well, now that you say that, that I guess I could see there could be considered an element of cruelty or her almost taunting him, but that's not, that's not how I took it or see it. I thought it was a mom who was really struggling. She didn't know what else to do. And it was like this kind of half joking, like at wit's end, like, okay, I'll be your dad too. Like I am your dad too. Like, yeah, like yeah, I'm exactly. the one who's here. Like if you want me to talk to you differently, I'll talk to you differently. Um, but like, anything- is, I will say it was also like the tonal shifts when she dies and you see her feet hanging. It, it's a very effect. It was a very effective uh, method. And uh, the kid's reaction was really uh, a strong one. And just the, to have that in the middle of the movie, um, pretty pivotal point, and I thought it's like he does. He's he's able to shift the tone from comedy into a very dramatic tone, and then he's able to still kind of like bring it back at the end. So I thought that was well done. And also the greater tragedies, you realize how close it was to be all being done. They were so close to being liberated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to your point, I think they did a great job of evoking that trauma and. It's why the movie works, and it's the hardest thing to do to flip back and forth from any tone, but to go from comedy to drama and this real like tragedy overhanging all of it, it's really tough to do. And I think he does a great job by telling it through that lens of children because he can just – something said through a children's voice, It's it sounds funny when a kid says it <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. And it's not – and you can make the argument it's like a cheap trick. He uses the whole movie, but it doesn't matter. It's effective, and he effectively is – we always talk about layers and hidden depth, and I think there's a lot of depth in, in this movie, and it works on a lot of different levels, and that's that's the only way – that is what satires are. There's got to be depth to them. It's got to work on multiple levels, and I think he's doing it. And I, I have a high score for this movie. I have a very high opinion of this movie. I think yeah, we should get into finals. I like I would. It's he's definitely gone from a guy I wouldn't have cared about, but from this movie, it makes me very interested to see like where he goes. And I would like I don't. This wouldn't be my favorite movie, but it's definitely one that like I think anyone who watches it would give it a certain amount of respect. So this is where I'd flip it to you. My question for you is: you you have a much better, I feel, knowledge of directors and styles. Who's that director who's not? the best director or generationally he wasn't the best director, but you wanted to see his movie and he, and because he did different types of movies, it would be like Spielberg. Maybe I would say, so I think this is going to be a good pick is, uh, I don't think there was ever a point I considered Robert Zemeckis to be the best director. 
but I would say I always wanted to go see his movies, whether it's Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Flight with Denzel. Like, I, he was never really like the guy, but he was always a guy like, yeah, I'll go to the movie theater and fucking see Castaway. That's a great call, actually. I think that might be it, because yeah, there's that's great. Because he's got the range. I think he's got the range and like the sophistication. And he's and he's got I think a yeah, lot it's of like legs. kind of a big budget guy kinda. Yeah, he can do big stuff. Okay. Um do we want to go into final scores or do you have any other questions? Um the one question I had was like, so Scarjo gets hanged by the Gestapo or the Nazis, I'm assuming. And it's sort of like, do they not really go back to that house and check? To, like, I thought she got hanged because she was hiding the Jewish girl in the closet. But then, like, they never go back to get the girl. So I was like, what exactly happened here? Do you, I thought do you she per- was hanged for other reasons. My interpretation was that it was a common secret she was anti-Nazi or that she was one of the last vocal people. So oh, okay. my takeaway was that she was killed for another reason or that they just suspected her. And they, they never found anything. Maybe, yeah. I mean, by anyways. that point, it's totally out of control. That's true. Um, but it's like, it wasn't totally clear to me like why she got hung and how no one would find out that she had a Jewish girl up in her walls or whatever. People also always talk about the fog of war, and it stinks when you use it for storytelling to do kind of unexplained things, but I think it kind of works here. You you don't know why. She, maybe they just hung a bunch of people as, a, as an example. Maybe she stopped them said something well and again it's, else. it's through the yeah it's through the lens of her child and i don't think he would know, you know it's like if you're that kid you just come up there and you see the and you'd be like i don't know what happened like she did something now she's hanging like to, that works to me but it, it, i just found it weird that that like no one found the jewish girl <laughs> that was a little weird but again i i think you can answer it just that at that point, the Russians were really close, and the yeah, powers that be, they were either apart. running or yeah. fighting. So I, th- that would be my answer. I get that. Um, let's do final scores. Let's um, do it. I think it's a, it's a strong movie, very funny, good tonal shifts. I'm going to give it a 7.7. 7. Ooh, good. Goodness gracious. Like, it's approaching an A. It would have needed, I would have needed to, like, get it, like, Scar Joe a little more, or, like, it would have needed, like, another knockout sort of performance for me, I think. Maybe even on another viewing, it might get, get it up to an 8. But right now, I'm giving it a 7.7. 7. All right, I'm coming in a little higher. Respect your 7.7. 7. I'm giving it an 8. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Wow, nice. I really liked it. I've only seen it once, so upon rewatch, this might change, but not much. It's probably staying in the 8s. Really like Scarlett Johansson. I like the kid. I think they needed. I think Taika Waititi was good and Sam Rockwell. I think we needed more of one of them. I, I don't know. Maybe more of Sam Rockwell. I, I think that that would have been the answer. And uh, yeah, not perfect. But I love satire. I don't understand it. It's like the mechanics of it, the same way I do other genres, whether or mediums, whether it be movie or, or books, isn't that I. I I think I can look at some of the other mediums or styles of stories and look at it as a science. And when it comes to satire, it's really to me an art and that I just can't, I don't, I don't understand it from a formulaic standpoint. I think it's really hard to do. And I, it's, I always come, I like to use the uh, Supreme court definition of porn. I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. And that's that's how I feel about satire is I if you ask me to, to tell you about a good satire, I feel like it would sound awful. But it, when I see it, I'm like, that's good. That's bad. If that makes sense. 
totally totally agree with you it's hard to articulate what makes something satire like what's comedy versus like comedy with satiric elements but it's like it's sort of like when you see it then you do know it it's mostly to me it's mostly like serious acting that comes across as completely absurd and it's like for the most part um (laughs) this movie exists in that realm um but i what i I think in five years or five to ten years i wonder if we'll look back at this movie like your score might be a lot more accurate than mine in like five to ten years but we'll only know in the future We'll see. I, I think a big part of it will be how many satires come out between now and then. Because one of the things I'm giving this a bump for is you don't see this that often. I, I, I do feel like Jordan Peele sort of set off this like chain reaction of satires or something ever since Get Out came out. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's never really been that run in comedy of like five, ten years of really smart comedies. There's always been smart comedies, but there's been other fads. I think that might be a good thing for the country. I just feel like in comedies, you can really tell really effective, poignant stories. And you can tell drama through comedies. Especially seeing what Jordan Peele and Taika Waititi are doing. My hope is it becomes a better medium. And they actually talked about this on Rewatchables recently. How comedies, more so than horror movies or any other genre, are screwed over by the Academy. And it was on the Groundhog Day pod. But it's like, comedies don't get any recognition. Or it's, I think... uh, Beautiful Life did the Italian musical thing, but that was really more of a musical dark count. Like, I do think comedies, action movies, and horror movies to an extent. I I think they should almost have sort of their own award. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what I would do if I was in charge of the Oscars, but I would probably try to have some sort of humor award. Uh, the problem is only like. There's so many genres of movies and only a handful yeah. win. And it's, it's we talk about this all the time. It's the idea of you're you're talking about the best movie, but you're only catering to one audience and it's hard. It's the, how are you gonna cater all these audiences something so subjective? But I feel like most people would agree the powers that be miss the marks with the awards <laughs> more often when it comes to aligning studio interests, uh, the excuse me, national audiences' interests with the actual, like, out critics' opinions, it's very different. That being said, I still feel uh, like Parasite, I think, was a better movie. I still, I'm happy that Parasite won the Best Picture. They do get it right sometimes. I thought Parasite was good. I'm not, this isn't a total knock. That's another satirical movie, too. Yeah, that's true. You know, that is true. They they don't always get it wrong. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Okay. All right, that was good. That was Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Okay, I beat Seth again. Eight point four to seven point seven. There you go. <laughs> Bye, people. <laughs> Goodbye.